again. Thank you for joining us today. This is Dr. Thomas Show. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tampa Bay's number one rated concierge medicine morning show. I'm your host, Dr. Tommy McElroy, and this is co-host Tracy McElroy. We did. We did. We're joining you live from Wesley Chapel from the conference of and thank you for joining us today. This is Dr. Tommy's show. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Everybody have a seat. That was a new little thing that we did. That's the new thing that we did. Uh, oh, that's funny. fun with iMovie. Uh, today's a busy day, so we're going to get right to it. But first of all, we'd like to thank a couple people. One, as always, that we like to thank is Atlas MD, who is the sponsor of the Dr. Tommy Show. Atlas MD is a preeminent medical software for membership medicine practices. If you would like to learn more about Atlas MD, go to AskDrTommy.com and click on Special Offer for Atlas MD. And Atlas MD is basically combines about everything that you would ever need in a membership medicine practice, including billing, communicating with patients. Um, EMR, uh, calling, texting, video conferencing, all in one handy-dandy app. So go to atlasmd.com and click on Special Offer for AtlasMD, and you can try it for free for 60 days. Just tell them Dr. Tommy sent you. And as always, here we are with Tracy, our wonderful co-host, who I couldn't do this show without. Good morning. And <laughs> one of the other, you? I'm fine, a little busy. Busy morning. It seemed like the morning went by fast. It did go by fast. Another person I'd like to, or another group I'd like to thank is Print Friendly. Printfriendly.com is a way to go and make the unintelligible website that you're trying to do show prep with very easy and uh, ink friendly to print. So go to printfriendly.com, put in the URL of whatever show prep. I use 970 WFLA a lot because we have. You know, we're local Tampa broadcast, so Tampa stuff we get from 970 WFLA, but anything, CNN, I got something today from Authentic Medicine uh, blog that I want to cover that I just went to printfriendly.com and was able to print friendly uh, without any wasted ink. So printfriendly.com, thank you guys for your services. And uh, one of the things I was going to talk about today is a uh, update on uh, marijuana, and this is brought to us by... What is that noise? Oh, that's just a little side effect of or sound effect that I don't even know what that is. Uh, print friendly. I'm sorry. Marijuana update. Oh, this is from 970 WFLA. New Jersey senator wants to uh, wants marijuana nationally legalized. Did you read that? I did not. So Cory Booker, who is the uh, senator from New Jersey, former governor, has uh, introduced a bill in Congress that. Um, would legalize pot at the federal level, reversing decades of national policy. All right. So um, you can use it for everyday use, basically. It does not have to be for medicinal purposes only, yep. right? You don't have to have a doctor's recommendation for it. You don't have to um, go to any special uh, clinics. You don't have to go to any special dispensary. You just grow it yourself or so get it from a friend. And Okay. So what is Senator Cory Booker going to do about it? Well, he's introduced legislation to... Uh, 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 legalized, quote unquote, marijuana. Okay, we'll see what happens. So that brings to point one of the things that I, I put on the blog on the AskDrTommy.com site a couple, maybe a week ago, and it's titled Family Doctor Promotes Use of Pot in 1867. It says, Hemp Recommendations from the 1867 edition of the King's New American Family Physician, a quote, domestic guide to health. This is not a joke. This is, this is real. 
And I wrote, here we are 150 years later trying to, quote, legalize the use of marijuana for patients. Interesting and sad at the same time. And I'm just going to read from the uh, 1867 edition of the King's New American Family Physician, a domestic guy from health. It says one of the uh, entries is for hemp. Cannabis sativa. This is a well-known annual plant common in this country, but a native of Persia and the northern parts of India. The concrete resinous exudation of the Asiatic plant is called churis. It is narcotic and may be used in place of opium in all cases that the drug disagrees with the patient. So if you have someone who is on opium back then, you could use uh, this churis instead. It alleviates pain, accelerates the spirits, promotes the appetite, is said to augment the sexual passion. In large doses, it causes delirium and a peculiar type of intoxication. The dose of a good article is from half a grain to a grain. The churis of the shops is frequently so weak as to require 10 to 30 grains to affect the system. So back then, they used to have these shops that would have it legally. It has been efficiently used in cholera, neuralgia, rheumatism, tetanus, and, and insanity. A tincture of the resin extract, resinous extract made by dissolving three grains of Floridicum, I think that's how I pronounce it, of proof spirit has been advantageously used as a dose to correspond with that of the resin. So Okay, so shops, you said shops would carry this, right? Well, they carry a, the, the shops would carry a part, a type of it, but it was very weak. So They're just saying basically it, you could grow this yourself and then make this little concoction, just like you do with any so, type of herb. Mm-hmm. When do you, what what year do you think this the shops were closed down? You can no longer purchase. I think this. in the nineteen thirties is when they started to outlaw marijuana. Okay. And uh, today we treat marijuana as if it were some type of um, like substance, like almost like we think of not we, but like people think of guns. Mm-hmm. You know, gun is liable to go off and shoot everybody in the room at any second. Mm-hmm. Therefore, guns should be outlawed. Same thing with marijuana. Marijuana is. Uh, the gateway drug that's going to turn everyone over to heroin use, and before you know it, you, you you smoke a joint, and then the next thing you know, you're you're quit your job and you're abusing your family and, and shooting up with heroin. heroin and cocaine and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, just goes to show you how the media and other mm-hmm. uh, other forces can kind of make things that are very innocuous seem dangerous. And not to say that marijuana is for everybody. Certainly it's not. It's not. I do think that marijuana can be. I personally think that it can be a gateway drug to yeah. using other drugs. Sure. But, and I so think for the... Beer and... That's right. So can beer, which is obviously... You know what else could probably what? would make somebody maybe want to do drugs? What? Angel's Trumpet. You ever heard of Angel's Trumpet? I have, and I know we have a... Right a down the street. Plant right down the house. Right down the street. Us. We have a We have a tree that's about... I don't know, one minute walk from the house that if I wanted to today, I could go home and pick those flowers off and make a tea and be completely out of my mind high. Mm -hmm. Um, My best friend, Lisa, her mother, I think she has one in her yard as well. Yeah. And it's dangerous if you do that. Right. So you can actually overdose and die. There was a lady one time when we were in, when I was a medical resident, I think it was resident or medical student, I can't remember, Tampa General Hospital, uh, was somebody was admitted because they had... um, indulged in angel's trumpet somehow or another and had really uh, damaged their brain so yeah it's not to say that yeah everyone should go do it or if you had a cannabis plant in your backyard then you know you should you know smoke it up and then let the kids uh, run in the streets no but the point is is the federal government doesn't need to protect us from that's right they don't. cannabis sativa which was recommended by doctors in 1867 for uses of to combat rheumatism neuralgia and to increase the appetite mm-hmm. Okay, 
So we have a little licensing update. Marijuana moves on to uh, licensing of drugs, or sorry, licensing of professions. And you had an interesting interaction with the licensing authorities here in the Florida. So I needed to renew my license July 31st. And I had finished all my CEUs. And then I go online. And um, so what were the CEUs on? Oh, I did. Well, mandatory uh, medical errors, domestic violence. Um, I chose um, to do also bullying in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to do 26 uh, CEUs twice, or, you know, every two years. It's not bad at all. Okay. I did them, you know, two days before my license were due. And anyway, so I went on to renew my license and mm-hmm. it was $70, which I thought was fine. You know, it's a reasonable fee. But then I had two additional $5 charges. Hmm. That I was did I don't believe I had that fee two years ago. So one um, fee is to um, pay for those that work without an active license, and then the second to pay for them pay to go towards um, finding out finding out. Ah, yes. Um, and then the other one is for um, people not paying back their loans. So you are paying fees so that the government can help find people who don't have a license who are practicing nursing. Yes. And also you're paying a fee so that people who can't afford to be a nurse become become a nurse. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Through your... Yes. Oh, to pay back their loans. To pay back their loans. So Did they let's pay say back your is, loans? Let's say a nurse is working uh-huh. and she just says, you know, I don't want to pay back my loans. Did you have well, loans when you went to school for I nursing? I did. Who paid those back? I did. Isn't that the craziest thing? What? I paid my own loans. No. There wasn't a, a special fund that you paid your that someone paid your loans for you. No, I paid my student loans. Sh- I know it seems crazy. That's bizarre. Nobody paid them for me, but now they have hmm. a program set up that so you, I can help pay for other people. So now, did they ask you? They no. send you a survey and say, "No, you know, I had to do it. There was no way around it. If I wanted oh. my nursing license, I had to pay an additional ten dollars." And some people might think, "Well, oh, maybe, maybe you. That's just ten dollars." I know people will think that, but you know what? Ten dollars, and I'm, you know. 42 years, well, 41 right now, but I'm going to be nursing hopefully for a, a long time. So mm-hmm. $10 every two years is going to add up and I well, am forced to pay that. Well, maybe, maybe it's just for the greater good and you just don't realize it. Well, I have been told that what I'm a, a little heartless. Yeah. So maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe. But why should I be forced to pay that? Well, that's a good point. So I am a physician. I used to be board certified and now I'm not board certified. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know how you're Does that mean I'm incompetent? Does that mean that I'm not able to do what I used to be able to do? Board certified. What exactly does that mean? Well, there's a there's a private corporation who certifies family physicians. It certifies you. So does that mean you don't have to do your continuing education? No, you still do that. So you do the continuing education. So board certified means what? You just pay a fee and it means well, you're Well, here's what happens. So I when I was a medical student, I was a medical student. So I went to medical okay. school. For four years, I did residency for three years, and then I did a, a year of fellowship, and then I got out of uh, residency and fellowship, and I took a board certification test. Uh, actually, what I did, I took licensure testing, so I, I, I was licensed to practice medicine by the state of Florida. Took a long time, very arduous, had to turn in all these documents, f- fingerprinted, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Anyway, I got licensed. I passed three big long tests and got licensed, and I completed residency and fellowship. Well, then after I finished, I was like, well, I'm going to become board certified because my program paid for it at the time. So I paid or they paid thousands of dollars for me to become board certified. So 
the American Board of Family Medicine certified that I was whatever I'm a, I was I was certified by them as a family physician. Well, that lasted for seven years. And then, you know, I got into practice in concierge medicine. And a lot of what you do for certification is based on what the uh, organizations that employ insurance-based doctors do uh, or require. So hospitals like uh, you to be board certified, um, just di- different organizations that are kind of the, the co- connected groups like for doctors to be board certified. Well, I'm not part of any of that. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't practice hospital medicine. I don't have, um, you know, I don't have any of these attachments that a lot of these doctors do. And I started thinking, well, should I become board certified again? Because it's going to expire in seven years. And I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Do my patients care if a private corporation certifies that I'm a, a family physician? Mm-hmm. No, they don't. Or does, or would they even know if I told them or not? They will Or if they're know. watching this and we're going to have like massive influx of patients canceling that mm-hmm. were under the impression that I was certified by a private corporation to practice sports and family medicine. I would still be if I had paid that money mm-hmm. and done the modules. And a lot of the modules. how much is it? I think I just looked at $1,300 for the exam, but there's a lot of these these modules that you have to do. You have to do self-improvement modules. So $1,300 every seven years? Something like that. Mm-hmm. You do these self-improvement modules. You have to show that you you did like like let's say we did a thing here where we where we um, let's say we did a lounge. We did a patient lounge for satisfaction, and we see a, we would study that. I, I made a patient lounge instead of having another exam room because we didn't need it, and patients were uh, coming in and they liked it. Well, then that would maybe be a, an improvement. I don't know if that would count or not, but anyway, that'd be the self-improvement module that I did and. And then I'd send it off to the American Board of Family Medicine, and maybe they'd say that counts. I don't know. But anyway, the point of it is, is I don't have the time or energy or interest in um, being certified by a private company. Now, most physicians do it, though, because they don't know anything different or they don't look at well, I know we went to the beach. Yeah. Your friends. They have surpri- to. They were surprised, though, well, that you were not board certified. They have to be. They're mm-hmm. part of hospitals where they are po- or or practices that are tied into hospitals where they just like let's make everybody board certified now in order to be um to have hospital privileges you have to be board certified it depends on the hospital i assume but i would think that most hospitals require that and that's actually a big bone of contention now if you look into the if you google moc maintenance of certification lawsuit you'll see that there has been a lawsuit against the American Board of Internal Medicine in addition to, I think it's the American Board of Medical Specialties, don't quote me or sue me if I was incorrect. <laughs> Search for yourself. But anyway, there is a big uh, a big uh, controversy about maintenance of certification. And one of the controversies is that the AMA actually, which I have gone on record and I believe it's true, saying that is the voice of the establishment in medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, their, their delegation, there's, there's a delegation that was vocal and was able to uh, make the AMA actually go against maintenance and certification. Hmm. Uh, I think against the leadership's will. I don't know. I'm not privy to all that, but my guess would be that there's this. Uh, they did not want to do that necessarily, but I think they were forced to do that because the delegates voted. And, and, and I mean, is a resolution by the AMA that says they oppose mandatory maintenance and certification for privileges and things like that. So it's an interesting thing to see, but. That brings me to another point. So why have a board certification? Mm-hmm. Why have that? Uh, well, ostensibly, it's to prove that you're a good doctor or prove that you have passed a certain level of um, certain level of uh, 
Should I answer? Yeah. It should, uh, Pat, you, you've showed a certain level of professionalism. So that brings us today. We are listening on the way in, uh, 970 WFLA. It was posted by Steve Hall 19 hours ago, Tampa, Florida. Hillsborough deputies have arrested 44-year-old Claudia Patrizo Orozco, Orozco and 40-year-old Marlon Ricardo Barcelo for practicing medicine without a license. Deputies say Orozco and Barcelo operated the Orozco Medical Center on West Waters Avenue. Investigators say the two also performed surgery at the center. Investigators started looking into the clinic a year and a half ago after getting complaints from patients. After having surgery, some of the patients had to get medical attention at local hospitals from complications as a result of the surgery at the Orozco Medical Center. Deputies say Orozco and Barcelo are not licensed doctors and are not authorized to perform surgery. Okay, so are they doctors that just do not have... I would assume they are. So they're physicians that are just not current on their licensure? I would assume they are, but I have not looked into it. It does not say, and I looked on their website, and I was like, well, this must be some shady warehouse looking. This is actually a really nice looking... Okay. It looks it looks as good as any uh, surgery. Okay, so it's not some makeshift um, building or, you know, in the back of someone's property. It did not appear to be. No, if you Google that name and medical center, Roscoe mm-hmm. Medical Center... You'll go to their website and but nevertheless they were performing things so that comes to the point of what you know where where is you draw the line board certification by a private company licensure by the government it, it depends on i mean i really i guess it comes into do you have to be an informed consumer mm-hmm. and that's um, right now i what took a year and a half for investigation i don't a know a year and a half to find out, you can go, I can right Start now in, in one clients. minute, go on to the- And state, find out if they're licensed. State of Florida, yeah. yes. Um, I don't and know. pull up somebody's uh, physician's name or a nurse. That's a good question. And then also, was this, did this place have a uh, occupational license? Mm-hmm. We have to pay for ours coming up soon. We pay $50 every year just to say, yeah, we're, we're still here. Mm-hmm. They'll do anything. Well, they just, I guess they just take our check and then give us a new certificate. We go to dinner. So it goes back to, you know, who authorizes or who says that so-and-so is le- somebody's legitimate and uh, brings to mind, you know, there's a great point on AuthenticMedicine.com, which is the blog run by Douglas, Dr. Douglas Ferrago, and it's by Steve O. And we were in a discussion was about single payer and how the United States is marching towards single payer. And then it got into a discussion about um, direct primary care as a possible answer. And uh, Steve O writes... Um, this is why I fear an assault on DPC, direct primary care, as the equivalent of a, quote, underground economy that kept Soviet citizens fed and supplied during the end of the days, end days. The, quote, official U.S. medical system is almost indistinguishable from an organ of the Soviet government. The citizenry fear unregulated services that are not part of the state oversight and delivery systems. If it's something not branded, which means approved, quote, market consumers will not accept it. Whether it's the Mayo brand, the Harvard brand, or the Walmart brand, doesn't matter. It's part of the quality monolith, in quotes. The people have changed. With DPC, who is overseeing what the doctor does, approves the standard treatments, and punishes a doctor for non-standard treatment. So they're saying, well, you know, DPC is kind of out there, you know, who's, who's certifying right. this? Mm-hmm. So eventually, DPC will become a gray market service with kickbacks to officials to, quote, overlook the provision of actual care to patients. It will be a balance between, quote, it is unapproved and, quote, it keeps people alive. It will always be portrayed as an instrument of greed for doctors to pay only themselves. And the official NHS-style machine will be portrayed as fair and citizen-supportive, even if it kills patients. Insanity like this can only come from the tolerance of the people themselves. America has shifted over the last hundred years 
The last 50 years and last 20 years have tolerated this sort of structure. Universal mediocrity is universally fair. That's Steve-O on Authentic Medicine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I, I have read um, comments about um, what people think about uh, direct primary care or even concierge medicine mm -hmm. about how it angers people that they think that the doctor's just getting greedy because yes. they're providing. So the physician's providing a service and then that patient is paying for that service and people think that is um, not fair. Well, because the doctor can then charge whatever they want and that to them. To them, that's what he's saying. There needs to mm -hmm. be some government oversight, or, or he's not saying that. He's saying that people believe yes. that the government needs to say that there needs to be somebody to come in and say, this is the fair amount. And my fear, and I saw this on um, Facebook, uh, it was a post from Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and I believe it was probably Keith Smith wrote it, I'm not sure, but he said, uh, the one thing I fear, the only thing I fear about the free market in regards to healthcare is that the government will, will try to come in and help it become transparent by edict, meaning that you know the government's going to get wind of this price transparency thing, and then they're going to come in and they're going to say, "Okay, this is how we're going to do price transparency." Rather than have the free market do it, and then people come to a uh, service because it offers price transparency, we're going to have to go in there and mandate price transparency, and then you can get all si all sorts of tentacles in there. So my fear is, and there are people out there, and that's fine if if they believe this, but I don't believe it's 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 appropriate is to come in and then somehow bless direct primary care and concierge medicine with the a seal of government approval saying mm -hmm. yes this is approved way to do business and then I all they hope they stay away and then all they can do then they'll say well now we need a blue ribbon panel mm -hmm. we need a blue ribbon panel because who's to say maybe you and i Maybe we don't operate in this way. We should. How do we well, know? Well, I know we should. We have, never we consulted have with anybody. Someone from the government come in and we sit never down did. with us and tell us what we're doing wrong. We what never we're doing did. Right. We never did do How that. How are we even running this business? I don't know. And so maybe that's that's one of the things that's going to come is that hopefully not. But that's the the fear I have. You know, I share the fear of Surgery Center of Oklahoma, is that these uh, people are going to come in and say, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna make sure this is fair. We understand that people want direct primary care. And now we're going to come in and we're going to make it fair. And now uh, suddenly we're going to be forced to have as much oversight. I'm sorry, not oversight. A much overhead as an insurance-based practice just to meet these requirements of these officials mm -hmm. on the basis of let's hope uh, that never happens. Fairness and equality. Uh, what else? Okay. The other thing I wanted to cover is another thing I saw. Nine seventy WFLA, and it was called Oregon couple reportedly lose custody of child because of her IQ test scores are too low. Uh, losing your child, be this is from, uh, actually, this was a link on 970WFLA, and then it went to IJR.com, which is, I'm not sure what that is. I can't remember. But anyway, IJR.com, and it's um, Oregon couple lose custody of child because their test scores are too low. Losing your child because you don't didn't have scores high enough on IQ tests sounds like something of a dystopian fantasy. After all, IQ tests have been around since the early 1900s, and before measuring intelligence became a thing, the world kept spinning and so did bursts. But Oregon couple Amy Fabrini and Eric Ziegler claimed to have lost their five-month-old child, Hunter, because of their IQ. Child services took Hunter right out of the hospital following his birth. Fabrini and Ziegler did not get a chance to take him home. Fabrini and Ziegler are no longer employed and live in a modest home that is owned by Ziegler's parents. Their income comes from Ziegler's Social Security benefits. According from Ziegler's, I'm not sure which Ziegler. Maybe the father or the parent. Anyway, according to the couple, the battle for their kids has been going on for more than four years. The state says they are mentally unfit to raise their children. However, Fabrini's 
father, Raymond, claims that his daughter is not a good parent. He goes further by alleging that he and his wife took care of the kids most of the time before she passed with Alzheimer's. Since Hunter was taken from Fabrini and Ziegler, they have tried to step things up. The couple has attended parenting classes, nutrition classes, and CPR courses. The state hasn't provided any further information on the case because of confidentiality rules. There also have been no reports of abuse or neglect from the couple. Fabrini and Ziegler can see their children on occasion through supervised visitation. What do you think of that? I think it's sad. I don't, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know these people, obviously. I'm not going to pass judgment on whether they're good parents or not. Yeah. But since when do you, since when do um, you have an IQ test and they can decide on how, who can take your child? Do you know how many parents I've met that I'm thinking, how in the hell do they have children? Do you have children? Not either one, not either parent works. Mm-hmm. They live off, you know, uh, government benefits. And they do nothing all day, and their kids are running around with a snotty nose and a dirty diaper. Yeah. So these parents, I yeah, know the didn't father, say, like I said, didn't say anything. That there's no claims of abuse or neglect or neglect. Yeah, they take their children away from them. Um, I know her father claims that she was not a good parent, but what does that mean? To, you yeah. Know? So who's this? Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's, at first it's, I read that matter of opinion possibly. I first think. when I read that, I'm like, oh, reportedly lose custody of child because they're low. And then I was going to read that, you know, the kids lived in mud huts and uh, they were running the streets. But no, it doesn't say anything like that. Mm-hmm. They sound like they are. Oh, well, obviously, the, the father um, of this child has a learning disability. Here's a, and um, here's some more from it. The Oregonian reported, according to documents provided by the people, psychological evaluations tested Fabrini's IQ at about 72, placing her in the extremely low to borderline range of intelligence. And Ziegler's IQ is 66, placing him in the mild range of intellectual disability. The IQ is between 90. The average IQ is between 90 and 110. Fabrini worked as a grocery clerk. Ziegler worked as a carpet layer, he said, but now receives Social Security benefits because of his mental mental disability. I have a learning disability, but it's very, very mild, Ziegler said. He understands that he learns more slowly than some, but says, quote, everyone learns at their pace. That is true. Now, could you imagine? So he was a carpet layer. He was a yeah. And now, now he's getting Social Security benefits because of his mental... Do you think that the government did an IQ test on him, said, look, you... <laughs> have low IQ, you should be on disability and then put him out of work. It's crazy. Hey, I read an article a couple of months ago about a parent, about a family that lost custody to their child. I just told you about this yesterday. Um, they lost custody uh, to their child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teachers at the child's school claim this child has ADHD mm-hmm. and needs treatment. And, you know, the psychologist got involved and they had a team of people meet and telling this this family, your child needs to be medicated. And the parents are like, we're not going to medicate him. So CPI, DCF, whatever, whatever you want to call them, came in and took their child away. Mm. So their child, they still do not have their child. Now they have three other kids living in the home. But this one child they took away. So he's in foster care. That's awful. So it's scary what, the, what they can come in and do. Take it your is child scary. Away. And it's scary too because once you have the government come in and do something you're really powerless. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not able, it's not like a situation where you can fight this legally. The The government has, compared to you, mm-hmm. unlimited funds. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. afford, potentially, to fight them. Well, I'm going to give an example. This is so, I hope they don't mind that I'm saying this, but my niece, Reese, so she's involved with Healthy Start. Mm-hmm. She has Medicaid for her child. And so her child was had a sleep study recently done, and it was abnormal. 
So instead of just repeating the sleep study, they took her, they admitted her to the hospital. She spent a week in the hospital and the, her mother, my niece, wanted to take her home and said, you know, I think everything's fine. Um, she's breathing okay. And they told her, well, if you take your child home, we're going to contact CPI and you could possibly lose your child. Hmm. For and disagreeing. I said, that's a, for disagreeing. And I said, that's why. You know, I wonder if they would have done that to a family that was uh, just a regular United Healthcare, you know, lived know. maybe in South Tampa and they want to take their child home. Do you think they would have threatened no, them like that? No, but so because, you know, she's involved with Healthy Start. She has a Florida Healthy Kids for her child. They assume, Here, they that, assume that she's what? I don't know. Ignorant. I don't know what they assume. I don't know either. But they're going to threaten her and say, look, if you don't do what we tell you, we're going to get CPI involved and you could possibly lose your child. Not good. And that's why I told my uh, sister-in-law, that's why the government needs to be out of our lives. We know what's best for our children. We know what's best for us. But they seem to think that they know what's best and then you for get everyone. To, then you get to the point where the government should step in for a reason. Like you'll see this thing where this uh, oh, mother put the child in the oven and uh, turned it up to broil. And then by the time they got there, the smoke alarms are going off. And well, investigation shows us... Uh, this particular parent has been uh, investigated for 25 years, and hey, well, this is the third child they burned up in the oven this way. And well, what about the? We're going to we, try to reunite her with the rest of the family at the end of the week. What did we just hear about the father, uh, father and mother? So the mother was in, uh, incarcerated. Father was watching the two children, and they had been. The father had been warned by CPI that um, you cannot leave your children in a in a warm environment. So oh my gosh. the temperature in the home was 109 degrees. The eight-month-old baby died. It's awful. And the two-year-old has been hospitalized in critical condition. And so CPI came in and said, look, you know, they came in and warned him mm -hmm. and said, you know, oh, you know, you can't leave your child in temperatures of 109 plus. And uh, anyway, so now the child is dead That's but they just gave him a warning so i don't understand how they do things or why they do the things they do they take this baby away with no neglect such an awful this story. baby wasn't starving and then um they take this child away but this one that leaves the, their their baby in a 109 degree temperature they just give him a warning the baby ends up dying so awful um mm -hmm. moving on to lighter subject uh if you've happened to watched any of the uh, Norm Macdonald show again, not not parent, not child friendly. No. I warn you, not child friendly, but eminently entertaining for uh, those who like Norm Macdonald. I saw his new show last night with Mike Tyson. Iron Mike Tyson was on, and uh, you know, it's too bad that Mike Tyson has such a shady past. He's an entertaining guy, but anyway, Iron Mike Tyson was on. And uh, so if you're interested in seeing something interesting, go to YouTube and or go to Norm Macdonald. I think it's normacdonaldlive.com or normacdonald.tv. Anyway, Norm Macdonald show is pretty interesting. The first show back was uh, David Letterman. This one had Mike Tyson and uh, Adam Egret. It was, yeah, you seem to like his show. You watch it a lot. You know, one of those things I was looking at that, I, I actually contacted Mike Tyson one time to see if he'd come on the Dr. Tommy show. That back when it was the podcast, Ask and, Dr. Tommy show. And what did he say to you? He never responded. What? Hey, it's not a Surprise. hey. You it know what? A busy man. You know what though? You know, guess who? Guess who was been on my show? You yeah. know who this is? So Rush Limbaugh just had thirty years. Not Rush though. Rush Limbaugh had thirty years of broadcasting the mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh program yesterday. Mm -hmm. I started watching that when I was like twelve, I think, nineteen ninety one. However old I was, my dad told me about it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Rush Limbaugh had. Yeah, you know, Rush Limbaugh show. Well, anyway, 
nationally syndicated show, the most popular show in the United States, um, radio show. And one of the guest hosts on the Rush Limbaugh show, one of the most popular guest hosts is Walter Williams. Mm -hmm. Walter Williams is an economist from George Mason University, libertarian, kind of Austrian economics. And anyway, he, um, I, I called him, this was last year, I sent him an email. I said, hey, Dr. Williams, I love your show. Uh, I appreciate your attempts to push back the boundaries of ignorance or frontiers of ignorance. That's what he used to say when he comes on the show. And uh, would see if you want to come on my show sometime. And uh, I sent him a link. I sent him the link to the Constitution show I did with Jenna Ellis. And he sent me a thing back. He said, uh, yeah, check with me in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Cheers. So I said, okay. So I checked with him two weeks. He said, sure, let's do it. So I call him the morning of and he's not going through it's on skype i'm like son of a gun this one i just got my mixer and i'm like uh so i call him on my cell phone and he's like uh hello dr williams i said hi dr williams this is uh, tommy mcroy how are you doing i'm doing fine how are you doing i'm like i'm good i'm having trouble getting through you have a call block on your phone and he's like well uh what do you want to do i'm like well uh i'm gonna try to call you again is there a way you can take call block off and he said, like, well, uh, let me look. I'll Google it. So he hungs up, hangs up. He does some. He Googled it while I was on the phone with him. He tried to like do star seven, two or something like that. Anyway, oh, OK, I think I did. It. I'm like, thank God. So I hang up because it's like the biggest interview I've ever possibly mm-hmm. had. And so I call him back. Same thing. I was like, son of a bitch. So then I was like, OK, what am I going to do? So I call him back and I was like, uh, Dr. Williams, I, I can't get to go. He's like, well, I can call you. I'm like, ah, I can't do it that way. I'm like, you know what? Just give me 15 minutes. I'm gonna see if I can do it a different way, and I'll call you back. Mm-hmm. And I had experimented with my with my um, mixer one time using a cell phone, mm-hmm. and in that 12 minutes or 15 minutes, I was able to make my cell phone uh, take my cell phone to the mic, ran the output uh, input to the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the word the point of it is, is it came off, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. It was so stressful though. You can hear it too when you hear the show. You can hear like at the beginning, I'm a little stressed out. You are. Your voice it, is a little shaky. Because at any second, if someone called in, it would dump the call. Mm-hmm. If some idiot would have called me about student loan repayment or something, it would have dumped <laughs> the call. Anyway, the point of it is to say Mike Tyson could very well have come on my show too. Yeah, he could have. Or maybe still come on the show. Mike. Maybe. Mike Tyson, send Tommy an email. Yes, please. please. Respond to him. Please do. Um, that was fun. Anyway, that's anyway. so that's... Uh, that's what we got for today. Uh, join us next time, uh, Wednesday at 1130. And join us online at YouTube. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe. Listen on Stitcher. Listen on TuneIn. Um, and then we're always growing. We have listeners all over the all over the globe, actually. Japan seems to be a popular place. So, Hello, Japan. How do you say kinesiwa? Or, you just I don't know. It. Maybe that's it. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> that might, might. I hope it means something I think nice. there's the listeners in Germany, Guten Tag. Uh, there's listeners all over. So thank you all for listening. In the Philippines, my family members potentially yes. are listening. Mm-hmm. And then also um, for everybody in the United States, including all of our physician friends, Dr. Hughes, Dr. Beathy, uh, uh, Chris Pegg out in California, all the different listeners. Uh, Chris um, Chris here and uh, Chris of R&M uh Consulting, marketing, Chris Sood. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.